this race is about power. It's about taking power back for everyday Missourians, which we've been trying to do here for a long time. And again, Josh Hawley is the exact opposite. I'm Ken Harbaugh. This is Burn the Boats, a show about making tough calls in tough times. America today faces a critical test. Our democracy is under threat, but good people are rising to the challenge. Now is the time to go all in. Now we burn the boats. My guest today is Lucas Koontz, a Marine Corps veteran running to take the Missouri Senate seat currently held by Josh Hawley. We had him on the show a little over a year ago when he was running for the Senate seat in the 2022 election, but he lost that primary to Trudy Bush Valentine, who went on to lose the general by over 13 points. I brought him back on the show to talk about his opponent and what makes this campaign different. Lucas, welcome to Burn the Boats. Yeah, hey, Ken. Thanks for having me, man. It's always good to be back. Hey, before we get started, did I hear that you just got married? I did, yeah. Got married. Very exciting. Her name's Marilyn, and uh, and we're thrilled. It's going to be a fun ride. And she's brave enough to take this ride with me, which is pretty exciting. I'm not sure everybody would be. I was going to say, I am sure she is a, a powerful, independent person and knows what she's in for, but being along on a, on a Senate campaign has got to be one of the toughest intros to marriage that you could possibly script. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like I said, she's a trooper. She actually, um, she went door knocking with me last fall. She's been to a bunch of events. So um, she's still doing it, even though she knows what she's getting into. So it's pretty good stuff. Awesome. Well, well, congrats. I want to ask about how you, well, you got a lot to balance. You have you have a, a, a new relationship to balance with a Senate race, but you're also running in... Missouri, the show me state where local politics and local issues are everything as they are everywhere. But you also, in a way, have to make this a national referendum. It's a nationalized race in that you got to raise a ton of money to beat someone like Josh Hawley. How do you walk that line in setting out the stakes on a national stage, but keeping the focus on issues that Missourians care about? Well, the thing is that everyone hates Josh Hawley, right? It's not even it's not even just national, right? His approval rating in Missouri hovers around 40%, which I mean, John Tester in Montana is at 60%. So like that's where the guy's at. People here don't know him, and if they do know him, they don't like him. And so, uh, you know, my job is basically to make sure everybody remembers what Josh Hawley is, right? He's a fraud, he's a coward. It's like you said, it's the show me state. We got to remind everybody that on January 6th, they showed everybody what he was. You know, the second he thought it was going to get him power, he's out there pumping him fit, his fist, inciting a crowd, everything else. But then the moment things get real, the dude's skittering out the back door as fast as he can, right? Like, that's embarrassing. People here don't want someone who literally stands for nothing. And that's what Josh Hawley is. You launched your campaign intentionally on January 6th of this year. I worry though about the the waning national attention, much less attention within your state on the events of that day. Do Missourians care? I mean, I think every American should put that at the top of their list. It was the greatest threat to democracy this country has experienced since arguably the, the Civil War. Do Missourians care enough about it though? What Missourians care about is we want to be respected, right? Like and so some people try to tap into that, you know, East Coast liberal elites are telling us what to do, et cetera, et cetera, right? And what Josh Hawley does is he embarrasses us. 
Again, he embarrasses us in every way. I mean, you know, January 6th, the thing that embarrasses us is that he literally ran away from the the thing that he incited uh, uh, like just a little bit later, right? Like, like that just shows that all he cares about is power for himself. And when all you care about is power for yourself, you're not looking out for people in the state. People already here already feel disconnected from him because he's never around. He doesn't care about us, you know. He is one of the coastal elites, basically, that, that everybody doesn't like, which is why his rating is so low, right? And so for us, like this race is about power. It's about taking power back for everyday Missourians, which we've been trying to do here for a long time. And again, Josh Hawley is the exact opposite. Like he wants to control everybody. I mean, you want to talk about like weird, creepy and embarrassing. He's got this book coming out on manhood and masculinity where like to be a man, he says you got to be made in his own image. Like, how crazy and embarrassing is that? Imagine the person who thinks that they need to write a book about masculinity, and then the solution is to be more like them. Like, it's just crazy. And so uh, just how out of touch he is is incredible. And uh, and that's the type of, you know, January 6th, what he did then, it's just one more embarrassing thing that he did. You know, they just stack up, and after a while, people don't want that anymore. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to meet him in person. I, I have, and I will tell you, he didn't shall I say, exude exude manliness, however you want to define it. It's not Josh Hawley. Um, have you had the chance to meet him in person yet? I haven't, but I hear that over and over again. And that's why it's it's so weird. I mean, look, I get it that the guy is searching for something, but like he shouldn't be searching for something with our lives, right? Like what gives him the right to try to discover himself by controlling all of us? He wants to control us in the bedroom, in the doctor's office, in the workplace, uh, you know, it's just over and over again, everything he puts out, every policy position is about controlling our everyday lives. I'm telling you right now, man, here in Missouri, like, we don't like that. We want to be able to live our own lives and not have a guy like him tell us what to do. I appreciate your full-throated defense of Missourians, but you got to convince me a, a little harder because the state has had a, a history of electing embarrassing leaders. How does someone like Josh Hawley keep climbing the rungs there? Uh, and not to mention your former governor and other Missouri statewide politicians who have brought shame to the state. Yeah, well, so like our former governor, once uh, people realized what he was, he was impeached by his own party, right? The only governor to ever be impeached by his own party, like they did stand up and they went against him. Josh Hawley, he's never had to run after showing everybody what he was. He's never had to. He was your typical country club corporate Republican when he was our attorney general. He was our tip, you know, your typical country club Republican when he ran for this Senate seat. Our former Senator Jack Danforth was his biggest backer. You know, he's kind of a legend in Missouri, uh, an old school country club Republican, right? Heir to the Purina fortune. And, uh, and Jack Danforth now says that Josh Hawley's the worst mistake he's ever made in his whole life. Like people are turning on him in his own party, just like they turned on Eric Greitens. And so there's a point where we don't tolerate it anymore. He's reached that point. That's why his approval rating is in the low 40s in a red state, right? Like it's between like 39 and 43. That's incredible. He shouldn't be anywhere near that. And yet he is because again, if people who know him, they don't like him. Like the Trump crowd thinks he's fake. They think he's phony. Like, I mean, he's just, uh, he just oozes weird creepiness. Uh, you know, you've gotten to meet him in person. Everybody who meets him is like, oh God, I don't know about that guy. And uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to point that out. And we're going to point out how much he doesn't care about people. And so I, I'll give you an example of a race like that in Missouri. So in 2016, Jason Kander, another veteran like me, he's an army guy, obviously I'm a Marine, but he was running against Roy Blunt, who was a long, our, our long-term U.S. Senator uh, in the 2016 election. And he had, you know, Roy Blunt had a 
a boatload of money. He had all the money he needed. His approval rating was much higher than Holly's is. And uh, Jason Kander just ran ads over and over again about how Roy Blunt's wife and his three kids are corporate lobbyists and he doesn't care about Missouri. Roy Blunt actually brought money home to Missouri. Like the guy actually did stuff for Missouri. And still, like when Donald Trump won by 17, Jason Kander came within three points of beating Roy Blunt because people here are tired of hacks going away and not caring about the state. Josh Hawley has way more baggage on that than Roy Blunt ever had. And Josh Hawley's less popular than Roy Blunt was. And we don't need to close a gap 17 points anymore, right? Like uh, in the last one, Trudy Bush Valentine only lost by 13. And that was against an unflawed candidate in, uh, you know, a pretty layup race for a Republican. So like the fact that it was that close shows that like, Against a guy like Josh Hawley, you know, we close the Jason Cantor gap 14 points and we win. And again, Hawley's got more flaws. You're going to get a lot of pushback that tribalism today is is at such a level that you're just not going to get the conversions, especially in a state like Missouri, where the Democratic brand is tainted. How do you respond to that? Is the Democratic brand as maligned in Missouri as it is in, in other places? I'm saying this as, a, as an Ohioan. Yeah, well, so Missouri is a state where people will switch their ballots all the time. Like, it's a very independent streak state. You know, we don't even have party declaration on the ballot or anything like that. If you ask people, pretty much everyone will say they're an independent. And, uh, and you'll see them willing to switch their votes. Again, 14% of people switched from Donald Trump to Jason Kander in 2016. In uh, 2018, when this Senate race was last up, Claire McCaskill lost by like five or six. And at the same time, the Democrat candidate for state auditor won by six points. So that many people were willing to switch votes there. We do it over and over again. You know, Missouri has a very strong sort of populist uh, looking out for each other streak. And uh, Josh Hawley comes, which is what Hawley obviously tries to do, but he comes across as so fake that if you get the real thing in place, uh, you've got a much better alternative for people. And, you know, they respect a history of service tradition. It really helped Jason Kander that he was an army vet who'd been in Afghanistan. Obviously, I'm a Marine vet, deployed to Iraq once and Afghanistan twice, did arms control out of the Pentagon. There's a cachet there when I go out into rural Missouri and I say, hey, I'm Lucas Kuntz, 13-year Marine veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan. It's thank you for your service. Let's talk. And really, like, when we talk about corruption and the broken system and the way we're being left behind, people are on board and they see that Josh Hawley isn't doing anything for him. Talk about that service tradition in your own story. A couple deployments to Afghanistan, one to Iraq. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's right. So in Iraq, I led a police training team, you know, 12 Marines, Navy corpsmen. And uh, we rolled around central Iraq, Fallujah, Habaniya, Ramadi, a couple other places, Sakalawiya, and uh, trained Iraqi police up you know, dodging IEDs, just trying to bring everybody home safe, which we did. And then I learned Pashto and I deployed to Afghanistan as a foreign affairs officer and a judge advocate. So was on two special operations task forces doing sort of uh, legal work and then also the political local interaction work um, since I was the foreign affairs officer and knew the language. So, you know, I mean, watched us burn $6.4 trillion overseas and, uh, and my home state fall apart. But, uh, man, I, you know, I was proud to do it. And everyone here understands that service isn't about yourself, right? It's about serving the community. It's about serving the country. And they're appreciative of what I did. And Missouri has a huge percentage of veterans. It's pretty high compared to other states. And, um, you know, we all look out in respect for each other. I'm a member of the American Legion. I go down to the karaoke night down there with Maryland. And uh, we have a good time. So, you know, we're a part of the community. And people respect that. And it's something Josh Hawley never has, right? He's never served anybody. I mean, you can accept himself, I guess. 
I think you can judge somebody by what they do when they leave school. Like Josh Hawley went to the, one of the fanciest corporate elite law firms in Washington, D.C., and I joined the Marine Corps. I mean, tells you a lot about a person, what, what they do. And that service ethic that set you on that path was instilled pretty early on, right? You've yeah, talked so, about, uh, yeah, go ahead. So when I was a kid, we, uh, we didn't have any money. We grew up in a working class neighborhood, which is why this campaign is so hard, right? Boy, if I were an heir to a fortune or if like Josh Hawley and my dad were a bank president, it'd probably be a lot easier. But yeah, I mean, you know, grew up in a working class neighborhood. My family went bankrupt for medical bills. The only way we made it is because people in that community who had no more than we did, you know, they passed the plate down at church for us. They brought more tuna casserole by the house than we could ever eat. I mean, Ken, I remember sitting in our, in our couch <laughs> some nights and literally praying. I remember sitting in the couch praying like, dear God, please let there be a lasagna tonight because I was so tired of tuna casserole. And, uh, you know, sometimes there was, but usually it was just tuna casserole. But yeah, everybody took care of us. You know, when I was uh, in high school, I kept getting injured running cross country and track. My coach saw that I was getting injured and, uh, you know, we don't pay, we, teachers pay Missouri's 50th in the nation. And uh, this guy still, when he saw that my parents could only afford one pair of shoes a year, would buy me a pair of shoes secretly and just give it to me so that I wouldn't get hurt. Like, I don't know if I would have gotten into the college I went to if he hadn't done that for me so I could, you know, be all state and, and captain of the, of the team and everything. It's just the way people take care of each other. And actually, the reason I joined the Marine Corps is because um, when we were younger, we used to volunteer at a soup kitchen at our church. And the guy who ran the soup kitchen, he always asked all the little kids, like, what chores do you guys want to do? And so uh, me and my little sister were always like, oh, we want to do the dishes. We want to do the dishes. And this guy, he was like, man, what's wrong with these kids? Why do they always want to do the dishes? Nobody wants to do the dishes. But, uh, you know, at the, at the church kitchen, they had a dishwasher. So we thought we were just scamming this guy. Like, we just take the dishes, throw them into the machine and walk away. We're like, oh, this guy thinks we're doing a chore, man. We don't even have to do anything. And, uh, and he figured that out. And uh, like a couple years later, when he remodeled his kitchen, he took the time to take his old dishwasher out, put it in his truck, bring it by our house and have someone install it for us so we could have that. Like, like that is a true thing, you know, where like, that's what real service is. You don't expect anything from anybody. You do it even though it's a pain in the rear for you and you just do it for somebody else because it's the right thing to do. Now, that man was a United States Marine officer in Vietnam and he would take me down to the Marine Corps League in Apache Flats, Missouri, and I would meet these guys who did the same thing for their community, who took care of each other. And I just, you know, listening to them, watching them, seeing what they did for their community and the service they did was inspirational for me. And it, it led me to join the Marine Corps and, and do everything that I did. I didn't realize you were a, a runner as well. It makes the launch ad that you put out <laughs> all, the yeah. more, all the more hilarious. Uh, was that inspired at all by your history as a varsity track star? Yeah, it, it, yeah, kind of actually. And so uh, we got we got some more things in the can that are going to be fun with comparisons on on him running and not. The team actually asked me if I wanted to be the stunt double for him. I was like, no, man, I will never ever be Josh Holly. <laughs> I wanted to ask that as sort of having been on the inside of campaigns who drew that short straw uh having to run like they imagined josh hawley would, would, would <laughs> yeah. run was that some poor campaign staffer no no it was actually just a a friend of a guy who is on the campaign yeah my uh, my political director has a friend who actually ran in uh, high school and he was like you know what he's like the right height and kind of has the same hair i think he could do it and when he asked him he was like oh yeah i hate josh hawley he's such a fraud i'll do it like and uh, so he came in. I thought he did a really good job, too. 
Yeah, me too. It's convincing. Uh, what was the reaction in Missouri to that ad? I mean, nationally, it was it was over the top. People loved it or hated it, as I'm sure you were going for. How did Josh Hawley's constituents respond to it? Oh, I mean, we got we got great reactions. You know, the true believers in him all think that, uh, you know, it was terrible. And independents and Democrats are like, yeah, that's exactly right. The dude is a fraud and a coward. And so, you know, I think I think it shows just how much Josh Hawley and the uh, National Republicans are worried about him and that they immediately started attacking me. They immediately started coming after us because they know that he's got weak numbers and that we my contrast against him is very, very strong. And the more Missourians learn about Josh Hawley and the way he grew up, the way he's treated people and the things he's done, the stronger and stronger we get. And they can see his numbers. They know his numbers. And so, you know, they're putting out videos like I'm the only person they're attacking right now. They're putting out videos against me. Dude. They're doing all sorts of stuff. And it's uh, it's pretty wild um, because Missouri is the Democrats' best pickup opportunity and the, you know, best chance for Republicans to lose one. So it's, uh, it's, it's wild to see national Republican investment against us this early. I mean, they're like cutting videos and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II. Each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Yeah, all right, we're going to get tactical for a second. Mm -hmm. Are there other Dems in the race? How are you expecting the primary to play out? No, there's nobody else in the race. I think, um, you know, like last time, we pretty much cleared the field, and then billionaire Beer Harris jumps in the last day. There's nothing really you can do about that. Um, she put an op-ed in the KC Star saying that she's proud. She, you know, paved the way for the next person, though, so I think that was nice. She encouraged me on the campaign trail. I, you know, I helped her out afterwards uh, to run for this. And uh, so I think sort of the big, and I, I think that's, that's an important point, Lucas, mm -hmm. you, after you lost to her in the primary, you stepped up and you fought for her, right? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, you know, I, I felt like she was, 
she would represent us better and uh, and and be a better senator uh, than the other guy. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, like a prideful jerk. And so if I think that she should win, uh, I went ahead, I campaigned with her a lot. Uh, we, I went across the state for her and surrogated for her some. And uh, so, yeah, didn't work out. But uh, I also knocked a bunch of doors for state rep candidates in the state uh, who actually won, you know, again, like Missouri, we picked up, it was like five or six seats in the state house this go, this go around. Like we have hit rock bottom and people are just tired of the, of the craziness and they're tired of the nonsense. And so, I mean, you see that on ballot measures too. Like we, you know, we passed medical or we passed recreational marijuana on the ballot measure this time. We're also the only state in the entire union that's overturned the anti-union right to work. We did that 68 to 32%. We passed a minimum wage, $5 over the federal level, which is pretty crazy, right? That we did that here in Missouri. We expanded Medicaid over the legislature. Uh, we've done a lot of things like that. And so people have been trying to claw back power. And Josh Hawley is just really the, like, you know, when I talk about him trying to control everybody and worried about power for himself, like he's just such a lightning rod for the people who just have been trying to claw back power for themselves as opposed to other Republicans like Roy Blunt or even Josh Hawley in 2018, where they just like, well, he's just a normal Republican, right? Like this guy is the antithesis of what everybody wants. And he was against every single one of those too. You're beginning to to convince me, especially when you run down the litany of ballot measures or other issues in the legislature that have taken on a, a populist-like flavor. How has the Dobbs decision been received in, in Missouri? Because Right next door in, in Kansas, there was a resounding defeat for the extremists on the right, correct? Yeah, it's been received the same way. And, um, you know, there's a coalition of people. I'm As a candidate, I can't be a part of it, but there's a coalition of people who are working on putting a ballot measure on for 2024 to protect access to abortion. And so it's just, you know, the extremism of it is crazy, right? Like we were the first state to ban it under all circumstances. No rape, no incest exception, you know, no exceptions, period. And uh, again, it's just the control over people's lives, the lack of freedom, and just the just extremism of it is is too much for most people. I think that that ballot measure is going to pass here, and it's going to be a big boon for those of us who are running on the right side of that. This is going to be an incredibly expensive campaign. Can you talk about the difference in how you're approaching that versus Josh Hawley? Yeah, well, I mean, I can't really talk about him, but the way the way that I can talk about it for me, well, I mean, you know, he started his career, he got like $4 million from, you know, like a Joplin zillionaire in Missouri. That's how he got launched. And, uh, you know, he corrupted himself very early. One of the things that I wanted to make sure in my first campaign and going forward is that I never do that. I only want to take money from everyday people. I'm not taking money from fossil fuel executives, no big farm executives, no corporate PACs no federal lobbyists. You know, we got a pretty long list. I think it's actually probably the tightest list uh, in the entire country. And so what we do is I want to make sure I only owe, you know, people like those in my old neighborhood who took care of my family when we went bankrupt so that when I'm in Congress, I only represent uh, them. You know, I don't own any individual stocks because I don't want to make decisions or policy based on a stock portfolio, which a lot of members of Congress are doing on both sides. And so for me, we have a very grassroots campaign. We raise our money uh, in mostly small dollar donations. Our average donation is like 30 something dollars. And, uh, you know, we've had, we actually in the, in the first, on the first day of this election, in the first week of the election, we raised more than any Missouri statewide candidate, Republican or Democrat in, in the history of the state has ever done. And so, you know, for a guy like me who had, again, no political collect connections, was in the Marine Corps my entire career up to the last run, no like family wealth. We're trying to pave a path to show how other people can do the same thing because, you know, 
I think that the biggest threat to our democracy is the money that's being thrown into it, the people who have control over our politicians, the way that our politicians make decisions, not for the people they're supposed to represent, but for everybody else. So we stayed true to that. It was hard. You know, a lot of people told us we were crazy that first campaign. Uh, we actually, obviously, we lost that first campaign to a billionaire. And so um, I, well, one thing I'm really proud of, though, is everyone who was there for us before is still there. You know, kind of the big movement we had behind us is still there. It's how we were able to raise so much at the beginning. And the path forward looks good on that. Uh, one thing we'll say, though, about the expense of the race is Missouri is actually really cheap compared to other states. And so, you know, like in Florida last cycle, um, the Democrats spent, I think it was like $100 million on that race to lose by 17. Well, when Jason Kander came within three points, uh, he only had $13 million. He spent $13 million in that campaign. You can run a campaign in Missouri for $20 million and you're, you have TV saturation and you're doing get out the vote. So as far as strategic investment of Democrat dollars, um, you know, basically the three options are Missouri, Texas, and Florida. Uh, Florida numbers are worse and it costs you $100 million. Texas number has been about the same. That cost about $100 million. Missouri numbers look good. Josh Hawley is a villain and, you know, you can do it for a fifth of the price. So it's a pretty cool scenario where everything just kind of comes together for us because we don't have any big TV markets. Yeah. I know you're talking to the, the donor class right now, but That's it's right. still- That's right. Send us some money, folks. This is where it needs to come. <laughs> it's still crazy that our political system depends so much on money in the amounts we're talking about to- It is crazy. I mean, 20 million is still mind blowing to me, right? Yeah, yeah. Having, but at least it's not 100 million. <laughs> having run a nonprofit, what we could have done with a fraction of that is- I know. It's, a, it's a little frustrating, but I, yeah. know, I know you get that. Uh, I love the grassroots approach. Uh, a lot of commentary has referred to you as a populist. Do you own that label? Yes, I'm trying to take that label. Look, what I'm tired of is these fakers like Josh Hawley taking the label of populist. Like a populist to me, we have a great tradition of that here in Missouri and across the plains, right? A plains populist was like a real thing. And uh, Harry Truman was a populist. It's about taking power back for everyday people against a corrupted system that's not working for them. I mean, that's that's the, exactly what I'm doing by only by taking grassroots money, not taking corporate PAC money, no federal lobbyist money. Like, that's real populism. Josh Hawley doesn't have populism. Josh Hawley has, you know, all he hear again, it's just about power for himself, not power for everyday people. He tries to divide us in order to increase his power. And he makes decisions uh, that work for him and not for the rest of us. He's about controlling us. Like populism isn't about controlling everybody and dividing them. It's about empowering us to make decisions for ourselves. And you know, what I've seen in my entire life is Missourians making real good decisions for themselves in their own personal lives and the way that we're able to take care of each other. You know, I mentioned the guy with the dishwasher, my coach buying me a pair of shoes, the guys down at the American Legion. I remember, uh, yeah, I mean, I could just give you story after story, but I tell you what, every man I look at, none of them was anything like Josh Hawley. So just the fact that, you know, he would have this fake populism and his manhood book and everything else, like it's creepy. And so for me, I own that label. I think we need to take it back because populism is a good thing. Populism is about uh, empowering everyday people. It's not about dividing and conquering. What's the biggest pushback you're getting from fellow Dems, especially within, I'll put it in air quotes, the democratic establishment, whether related to that populism label or not. Yeah, I mean, some people don't like that label. Others think that we should take that label back and they are tired of frauds having it, right? And they're tired of the media labeling people like Josh Hawley that. Like, the guy should just be labeled corrupt, creepy, weird, gross. Like, why give him this title of populist? It doesn't make sense. 
And so uh, I actually, we haven't been getting any pushback this campaign. You know, last campaign I was new, not a lot of people knew who I was. And so we had to sort of meet everybody and, and, and help them adjust to who I am, my story, where I came from, uh, understand my record of service. And, uh, you know, I think we were able to do that last time and we haven't, I haven't really seen any pushback this time. I mean, we got all sorts of people retweeting us and I think we're building a very strong coalition to try to, you know, take back places like Missouri and also uh, take back labels like populism away from these fakers. I'm sure you're running into a ton of Republicans out there on the campaign trail. Can you share a story or two about a conversion experience talking? Let's, you know, I'll put you in the American Legion Hall or the VFW post surrounded by, you know, grizzled old vets, (laughs) a lot of whom are pretty conservative, pretty deep red Republican. How are they responding to you as a populist Marine Corps veteran? And are you winning any of them over? Yeah. And so um, the stories aren't like sexy, right? It's just like hanging out with guys or or women or whatever. You know, I say guys, it's like both, Uh, you know, just talking, being myself. And they're like, yeah, I like you. You're a good guy. You know, I don't know anything. I don't know this Holly guy. I'm definitely going to vote for you. You know, he's you know, some people be like, he's a jerk. In general, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. It hasn't really been most, most conversions, I guess you would call it. They're not really policy based. So it's not like I go in there and, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm for this. And suddenly they're on board. It's, we love your record of service. We love what you've done for the country. You remind me uh, of someone who I can relate to. You know, people really understand that, you know, most of us live paycheck to paycheck in one disaster from bankruptcy. And they understand, they want someone who understands that representing them. And so, you know, when I talk about how my family went bankrupt from medical bills and how everybody passed the plate for us, like everybody in Missouri has been a part of that on one side or the other. They've either, they've either needed the help or they've been there bringing tuna casserole, whatever, by somebody's house. And so it's just stories like that, that people can relate to that win most folks over. People ask all the time, what's the silver bullet? What's the, you know, like what policy? And it's like, the policies are great. Um, You know, my policies are definitely like top bottom centered, not left, right centered. And, uh, and that, what I think that does though, is that that makes people open to the conversion. I don't think it actually converts people. I think what actually converts people is the door has got to be opened like that. They got to not like Josh Hawley, which most of them are, are in that boat or they just don't care. And then they have to like me. So it's just kind of a, it's just a, I don't want to say it's a vibes based boating, but that's what it is. And that's how, you know, I think that's how Jason did so well in 2016. It's how Beto did so well against Ted Cruz uh, several years ago. And, and it's how we're going to do against Josh Hawley. I hope you're right. I hope we can get back to a character driven politics where you at least create space to talk about your your policies. And even if someone disagrees with you on something as important as abortion, they believe in you as a person enough to listen. I'm not convinced given how partisan we are, uh, but I, I hope you're right on that. One, one last question. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll get a debate with Josh Hawley? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that the strategy of, uh, or actually the reality of him seeing that everybody does think he's a coward may just be enough to push him to do that. You know, traditionally someone like him wouldn't debate, but, uh, you know, he was harassing Claire McCaskill in 2018 the whole time for not debating. So he's going to be a real pickle on that one. And if he doesn't, it's just, it's such like a heavy, it just, it leans into everything that we say so strongly uh, that I think he's going to have to, it's going to cost him a lot if he doesn't. Well, that's what I was thinking. And man, I either way, the trap is sprung. I would love to see 
you and Josh Hawley on a debate stage together, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that gets gets national attention. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's in the horns of a dilemma, which is exactly where we want him. Yep. Well, hey, Lucas, it's been great having you. Uh, my my hope is we, we have you back in a couple of years for a victory interview. That'd be great, Ken. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having me again. You got it. Thanks, Lucas. Bye. Thanks again to Lucas for joining me. You can follow him on Twitter at LucasKuntzMO and visit LucasKuntz.com if you'd like to learn more about his campaign. Thanks for listening to Burn the Boats. If you have any feedback, please email the team at kharbaugh at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're always looking to improve the show. For updates and more, follow us on Twitter at team underscore Harbaugh. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review. Burn the Boats is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Our producer is Declan Roars, and Sean Rulhoffman is our audio engineer. Special thanks to Evergreen executive producers Joan Andrews, Michael DeAloya, and David Moss. I'm Ken Harbaugh, and this is Burn the Boats, a podcast about big decisions. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.